every time you've got the word management manager in your title, whatever you're a property manager or a project manager or a manager, it's all about dealing with problems. It that's that's what that means. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with property manager and founder of NextGen Property Management, Chris Dimitropoulos. We delve into his journey of creating his company, learn about the strategies that he has used, find out his motivations for starting property and much, much more. We delve into Dimitropoulos' strategy and the types of properties that he looks for to add to his portfolio. As I was saying before, I'm, I'm really risk averse. So, my strategy is pretty simple. Um, I love to buy property that's close to transport. Um, I love to buy property where um, jobs are um, and I love to buy as close to the CBD as possible. So, uh, all, of, all of my Sydney and Melbourne properties are probably within a 10K radius of um, off the CBD and they're all right next to a train station or a tram station or something like that. Um, and that's, you know, um, that's one part of the puzzle. The other one, give you time basically. So I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a materialistic person. W- when I buy, I buy forever and I hope I never have to sell. Even though I might be forced, there's a couple couple of my properties I don't really, uh, they're not my favourites, so I might have to let them go at some point. But I bought for life and I bought close to where the fundamentals are um, and let them do that do their thing um, so I, um, I bought um, the properties in Sydney um, I let them go through two cycles I use the equity to go to Melbourne um, all of my Sydney properties are positively geared all of my Melbourne properties are for growth um, so I've got apartments in Sydney and I've got um, townhouses and, and land and houses in, in Melbourne uh, so the Sydney properties are helping to maintain my Melbourne properties, um, and that's it. That's the secret: by where the fundamentals are and let time do its thing for me. Being in property management himself, we learn about whether he manages the property or if he has someone on the ground helping him out. I manage the ones in Sydney, and I now also manage the ones in Melbourne. So we manage them from here. I've got someone on the ground in Melbourne that holds the keys, but we do everything from here. And um, you know, the world the world of property management is changing. So um, I, I decided to go um, into property management about five years ago because of so many other people. I wasn't really happy. I thought it's easy and anybody can do it. And surely myself with um, I've got degrees and I've got masters along the way um, and a lot of corporate experience before I moved into property management. I thought, how hard can it be? Anybody can do it. But the truth is it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard work, and, but it's changing and um, there's a lot of technology that can help and you, you, know, you can do a lot of things remotely and do a great job if your business is set up to be efficient and all the systems are there, then allows time to do all of those mundane things that really um, – you know, burn property managers out. So, yeah, so in answer to your question, I manage all of my properties myself. Um, just before Christmas, for example, we had two uh, vacancies, two broken leases in Melbourne. Uh, within two days of each other, uh, we advertised everything from here and uh, um, I just had the person on the ground to do one open. They both uh, rented. 
And I have to say, uh, since I took over, my rents are a lot healthier and a lot better because I can see from here. You now, for example, one of them I managed to get an extra fifty dollars uh, that the previous property, the local property manager wouldn't um, wouldn't support me on. So I advertised from here fifty dollars more, and I got that. And both properties were um, more, a lot more basically than they were previously um, rented for from the local property manager. We find out more about his journey from working for IBM to eventually opening up his own property management business. That was until about five years ago. So I, um, so I was a project manager. You know, I started as a software developer, then I moved into project management and program management. And um, my last job was a, a very senior role, managing hundreds of tens of millions of dollars of projects and massive teams of hundreds of people. And um, and and that was the. Um, that was the thing for me that made me think maybe I should do my own business because a lot of the skills that I had developed around comms and dealing with people and influencing and um, and all my IT background, these are all good skills to have if you start your own business and if it's a property management business as well. So I did that until about five years ago. Um, and um, five years ago, I, was, uh, I wanted to do something for myself for a change because there is no safety uh, in the corporate world. Um, and uh, people were getting men ran, redundant left, right, and centre. I could see that. Um, I did try for redundancy, to be honest, for myself. But uh, I think if you're good at your job, uh, it's a bit unless you get caught up in some sort of big restructure. People are keeping you in these big redundancies in the corporates because if you're good at your job, they need you to continue to do the job. So that's the irony of the corporate world. But I wanted to do something for myself, and um, there wasn't anything else for me to do. Uh, to, to do there, and I was um, um, getting a bit down on my luck, and 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 uh, for a couple of years, you know, I was really, I wouldn't say depressed, but but very close to that. And on those moments, thinking about my portfolio um, and thinking that I've got an out, like if worst comes to worst, I can probably sell two or three properties, and and I've got an out, and many other people don't have that opportunity. So that was that kept me going, and, and so it gave me, you know, and and I was looking to start a business. What do I do? Uh, and I thought, well, I love real estate. I looked at a couple of things, but I love real estate, so I'm, I have to do something with real estate. And what suits my personality better, that's property management. So that's how I uh, made the journey and uh, started the, uh, my business then. I've been building it now on the side for a couple of years. I started building it on the side about two or three years ago. Um, I, I, I couldn't, because I, I still have all those mortgages, basically, so it wasn't possible. But uh, I was able to do it on the side. Um, the first thing I did was... Um, I found someone that could help me. Um, I, I looked for the best property manager that I could find, and I was lucky to find someone um, that's, that's, that, that I think, and I'm speaking as a landlord here, I think this is fantastic and she's loyal, she's uh, organized, uh, her heart's in the right place, and and uh, and we've been building it together basically since. Um, but um, I do have a, uh, yeah, I do have uh, lots of dreams and plans to build it up, but um, I don't, you know, necessarily want to do it for the money or anything like that. For me, I just love to, you know, I call it my third child, basically. I want to get to a point where, you know, I build something that's uh, that I'm proud of and I help myself. I manage my own property, so I want to manage other people's properties just the same. In terms of his property portfolio, we learn about the different ways he's able to manage it and improve it. I can tell you my rents at the moment are, are basically a lot more than I ever got from others. Um, and I'm pushing the envelope. Um, I, you know, busy, uh, busy day to day. You never look at these things, but 
what one of the things that I've realized a little while back is that if you don't, as a landlord, if you don't push the property manager, your property is most likely 10, 20, 30, 50. I've even seen a hundred dollars less to where it should be. Um, and I think that's a that's a main issue. Generally, I can tell you property managers are a bit reluctant to put the rent up because uh, it's not a lot of money for them. It's a lot of work. Plus, they might upset the tenant and the tenant might go uh, or they have to have the hard conversation. So there's a reluctance in the industry to keep up with the rents. Um, and as a result, um, and I urge everybody that I know to do a quick search, go online, have a look at your similar properties and see what they're renting for. Um, I had a property uh come to us that is that was a hundred dollars a week less to other properties he hadn't the rent hadn't put up for weeks he's a busy executive uh, never cared to look or anything like that so identical properties in his building were renting for seven hundred and twenty dollars and his his was six hundred and twenty and he hadn't put up in in five years um so that's that's real money basically so um that's been left on the table when you hire people to work on your property, you have to put a lot of trust in them to do the job correctly. Dimitropolis explains how his company provides better service than any other property managers in the market. As a property manager, it's easy to forget, right? So you got to build it. You got to build it in your property into your processes. For us, we got to do um, we do inspections every every six months, and part of our processes we're going to do a rent review uh, every six months as well. And I'm not talking about you know the formal letters. I'm talking about ease five properties that are nearby to yours, this is what's happening. It doesn't, it's not that hard, but it keeps everybody on the toes. So the landlords get, you know, and I, I do this, you know, I want that myself as a landlord for my own properties. I open the section, I have a look and see what's happening. And sometimes, you know, you go, okay, it's fine. Or you can see property, you know, the rent moving upwards and you go, okay, well, let's just, let's just, Start thinking maybe in six months we'll put it up by five or ten dollars. And because if you do it that way, it's not a big deal. But if I have to catch up on a hundred dollars, then the interest is at twenty-five dollars. You know that's what we've been doing. And the risk every time we have to manage that up. You know on the, on that example that I gave, we have to manage the the rent increase. We have to give them a call and explain with examples why they're still like seventy dollars less, for example, to another property upstairs, and it's okay to pay twenty dollars, but. You know, it's it's hard, but if you do it five or ten dollars and you keep on your toes every six or twelve months, um, uh, then it's an easier sell and you keep up with the market. Dimitrophilus shares with us why the market in Sydney has become more stagnant in recent times. It's basically oversupply, so um, it's the apartments oversupply that's all over Sydney. So. Uh, with so many apartments, especially in the big um, in the big uh, areas like you know Parramatta or Liverpool, uh, everywhere you see uh, big towers coming up, uh, rents are stagnating and probably dropping as well. I mean, I've heard of rents going backwards by 10, 20, 30, 40 dollars, and I've seen it as well. I've seen rents that went back by a hundred dollars somewhere. Um, I mean, you know. People don't see because they look at average. So other pockets are fine. Other pockets are struggling. Um, if you're in Sydney at the moment, I would say look after your tenant. You don't want them to go. Uh, we have to, as, as Sydney investors, we have to weather the next year or so. So let's be as accommodating as we can. And then, you know, with every cycle, uh, you know, it'll come back basically. It'll all come back. But for now, uh, just be mindful of it um, and uh, look after your tenants. Canterbury, all of those are struggling at the moment. And, you know, I mean, I've got 
I've got a property that's coming to us to be managed. It's been completed in April. It's on Canterbury Road. Uh, it's going to go on the market, and I'm going to be competing with probably 50 identical properties. So, uh, you know, you know what that's going to do to the to the rent, basically. I mean, it it all. Get, you know, the good news is it all gets absorbed. There's tenants out there, but the old days of property managers putting an ad out there and uh, leaving it and people come, you know, tenants lining up and come begging, they're gone. So um, we have to work really, really hard to fill um, vacancies quickly. Um, and, you know, for us, um, I was saying before, I've got an IT background, so I'm really big in stats. So I watch um, statistics to see views of my ad. Um, I... I see. I, I save every other property, for example, on the suburb that's competing with us to see what they're doing. Are they putting the rents down? Um, how many open? How many openings do they hold a week and up? So, you know, it's it's basically a dogfight. And unless, as a property manager, you have time to um, work hard to uh, time to sort of dedicate yourself into uh, pulling all these tricks, properties can go vacant for weeks. I have to say, for Melbourne as well, it's 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 not the same. So Melbourne. I think they they have had the um, you know the down times and and rents are picking up in Melbourne. So if, if anyone is listening from Melbourne, they're in much better position and um, they can be a lot more aggressive with the rents. I think um, I, I had two vacancies in Melbourne and we rented those uh, on the one opening and we had two or three applications. Whereas in Sydney, we'll show to fifty people, you know, to twenty five people say, and we might get one. And if we chase them and drop the rent a bit, so that's that's the scenario. I have to say that just just for fairness, it's not everywhere in Sydney. So if the quality properties always rent and you don't have to do catwalks for them, so that's a that's an that's my advice to uh, to investors. Um, uh, when you you know when you buy a property, and I, I did the same mistake before I got into the business, trying to think a little bit about the the demographic that's you know the the, the tenant demographic that's going to go in it and and also think about the um you know the, i call it inhibitors what are the things that that um tenant are going to stop that tenant from getting the property for example a, a big thing for me is don't buy a property that's on the top floor of a building that doesn't have a lift because immediately you cut out uh, all of the older people anybody that can't climb stairs anybody that's unfit and all of that in a in a landlord's market it doesn't matter but in a, in a tenant's market, all of those little things make a difference. Uh, but yeah, so quality property, um, that's got certain characteristics. Um, uh, even at the lowest of times like Sydney's now, we'll always rent and you'll always get rents from it. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people and letting them do their job Find the right people and use them. Just let them do their thing. Um, and you'll probably find that um, you know, a lot better in the long run. Uh, the properties that you buy are, are more better quality. Why he will be starting his whole property journey over again? Uh, to be honest, I, I'm about to I'm about to relive this whole thing with my kids. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. We delve deeper into property management and discover how he keeps his company competitive. I have to say, there's not a lot of money to be made for the the amount of work that goes in. Um, the value 
uh, in property management is on the rent roll basically because that's an asset that can be resold. Uh, so that's that's got a value. But in terms of the uh, in terms of the fees that you collect and all of that kind of stuff, especially with the competition that there is in, uh, in Sydney at the moment uh, and the and the fees, you, you know, to compete, you have to drop the fees, especially like myself. Um, whose business I don't have a sales department all we do is property management someone like us that don't have um, properties coming in from the sales department um, to compete I I really need to be you know mindful of their fees Uh, and that's okay I mean I'm a lean business I'm a startup everything's optimized Um, I don't have a big franchise name so um, but um, the way that the industry compensates in quality, basically. So fees drop, and then quality, you know, quality drops, um, expectations drop. Um, so um, there is no minimum, I should say. But I know some people have like you know five. That I know of a rental of five thousand properties. I mean, that's worth millions. And someone that owns that makes a lot of money. But that's not the case with me, I guess. And I have to say, the the property managers. Uh, and I know a lot of people are angry with the property managers and all of that, but I can tell you now that I'm in the industry, it's a lot of hard work. I can also say, look, we'll reveal everything. Your property managers don't get paid that much. So it, the basic salary is probably between 60 you know, to 80K a year. Um, but if you think of all the work that they do and always on the toes and running around, and, and to be honest, when you know, every time you've got the word management manager, in your title, whatever you're a property manager or a project manager or a manager, it's all about dealing with problems. It, that's that's what that means, managing problems. It doesn't mean managing the wins. Other people get the wins. You just manage the problems. So the property managers themselves don't get paid very well. Um, the bigger the rent roll, the more money, I guess, uh, the business makes but not necessarily the property managers. Sometimes, it is not until you have been in both positions that you can fully understand the work that goes into a certain job. That's what I would say. As a landlord, I never saw that. Now that I also manage properties, I can see it. So I can see both sides of the coin. Um, and, and if you want to have a fair business where you, you know, you treat everybody with respect and you fair to the tenants and the landlords, that's that the little triangle property manager, landlord, and tenant. If that works in it, almost in a partnership, then that's the best outcome. Because uh, things will go wrong, but if there's understanding, um, then then it works well. And that that's kind of the philosophy that I've brought in. I'm up. I'm always, I've always, uh, as a landlord, I've always looked after my tenants because they pay my mortgage. Um, and then if I can help him, I will. I'm appreciative of them being there and all of that. And, and, and in, in all fairness, a lot of landlords are like that. So um, the professional landlords, they don't really care. They fix things, they're understanding it to look after tenants. Uh, and then the tenants are in turn respect the property and, and pay it back, basically. So that's, that's the best scenario. But it doesn't happen everywhere. We hear about what his biggest motivation was for jumping into the property industry and investing. For me, and I'm not going to talk about the early years, which was all about saving tax, and that was that was silly. But the minute that I understood what it is to be an investor, it was all about safety. And what when I'm what I mean about safety, safety when I'm 65 or 70, the, the last 40 years of my life. It's not about you know the middle part. The middle part, I, I've always assumed it's going to be my accumulation, but I've always wanted to have uh, safety from 60 onwards, um, 65, when I retire, when I have a good life then, and, and, um, and, and then also help my kids as well. So that's, that's what, that was the motivation for me. 
Um, and, I'm, and I can't say that, you know, I was thinking, that's what I was thinking every day because you, you get into a, this frenzy kind of, you know, when I was buying properties, I went from like buying one every two or three years into buying a couple at the same time. Um, then it became this obsession of buying more. Um, and, and it's not that I've done the numbers that I need, you know, 11 um, or whatever, but I knew the more I could get my hands on, the better I would be in the, in the long run. Um, so, yeah. That's, that was my mindset for a long time. So I was completely obsessed with buying property. Um, and what, the second aha moment that I talked about was uh, I found a great buyer's um, agent. Um, and, it, you know, and in my view, finding a good buyer's agent is like striking gold, basically. It's the equivalent of that. Um, and not only because they find new quality property, but also because they find new quality people. Like they come with quality people, like the mortgage broker. So up to that stage, I was going to the bank and, you know, dealing with the bank directly. Um, and they told me, there's no way you can, we can give you any more money. That's it. No more playing, you know, this game. Um, so I was stuck. Uh, but he was able to put me in contact with a great mortgage broker. Um, he was amazing. And then he un unlocked the potential, basically. Um, so it was that kind of thing. So finding the right people... Uh, is absolutely imperative, I think. And then trust them. Let them do the thing. Let let them do the thing. Don't interfere. Because this is another is another lesson that I, um, I would like to share as well. So the first property that I bought in Melbourne, I uh, used the buyer's agent um, and that I found on the internet, um, and they, they didn't buy me a good property. Um, the suburb was great, but the property wasn't right. Um, and I can't really blame them. I think the issue there was that I came from Sydney with a mindset of what the property needs to look like. And I bought the same property in Melbourne, only Melbourne is diff it's a different beast. Um, but they, they bought me the property that I wanted and that was wrong. So, but, you know, but so that was the lesson uh, for me. Uh, find the right expert and let them do the thing. Don't interfere. They're in the business every day. Um, they know more than they know more than you. And even me, I'm in property management and you think, okay, I'm into property. I can make decisions. No, I can't because I'm not out there. Uh, every day looking at property, looking at suburbs, looking at streets, looking at what market he's going. Whether he had any mentors throughout his journey or if there were other resources that he leaned on, it came back to the classics. To be honest, I didn't. And for a long time, I was just I, um, I was just doing on my own. I kind of knew it was the right thing, but I had my doubts. Uh, then, um, then I started, uh, you know, one day I was in a bookshop and I found some of Mark Yardney's books um, and I thought they were fascinating because um, they, they, they did two things for me. One is they confirmed that I'm not crazy, and others are doing it good. Uh, the second, the the other thing that he did is he showed me a now. So you know, he he showed me what it all meant and how you would transition from accumulation into getting out of it. Basically, what it all means. You know, what does it, what does accumulating wealth mean? So so I read his books quite religiously over the years, um, and a few others as well. But Mark Yardin's books. Uh, stuck in me, and I was actually uh, very fortunate to meet him in person last year, and it was uh, it was, uh, it was a great moment. Um, but um, um, that that was uh, that was in terms of resources, that was a good set. I mean, the other thing is uh, through his books as well. I also uh, went into reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, and that was a that was an amazing book as well uh, for me. And that was part of the catalyst why I decided that um, I needed to start my business because of absolutely no safety in the corporate world. A few years ago, I, I didn't. I can't say that I had mentors per se, um, and, 
but it all clicked. It all came and I understood. And then spending time online and reading and stuff like that, that all that uh, sort of made it all uh, uh, prove that I was on the right track, I guess. Dimitropoulos shares with us the best piece of advice that he has ever received. The best advice would be what I was saying before, don't do it alone. So uh, uh, my my kids are, my daughter's 18, now my son's 16. So uh, um, I'm going to I'm gonna reverse back into me being a 16, 18 year old and trying to um, sort of relive those early days through them. And, and my advice, my advice through my own experiences and listening to others is do not do it alone because there's only, you know, unless you're in the business, you don't know what you're doing, basically. And there's, and, and unless you can devote a ton of research, I know some people are, you know, in their research and demographic and stats and ABS and whatever else. But unless, uh, if you're a busy professional like I was, uh, use it, find the right people and use them. Just let them do their thing. Um, and you'll probably find that, um, you know, a lot better in the long run. Uh, the properties that you buy are, are more better quality. Some of the most successful people in the world are habitually by nature and live by routine. We learn about some of the habits that have helped him along the way. I am relentless. I, I, I don't like I work probably from the minute I wake up in the morning until one o'clock every night. So I don't stop, uh, and I'm relentless. And and I wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. So. Um, you have to be relentless at what you do, and if you work hard enough, I think um, it, it'll come to you. I don't think it, I don't think it has to do with uh, you know some amazing gift or whatever. It's just stick to the fundamentals and work hard, and it will happen for you. So I I wake up and I think about property, and you know, and uh, I go to sleep, and I think the same. And my poor wife, who by the way, you know has nothing to do with property other than listening to me every day. Um, she's my sounding board. Um, as long as she contributes much as she cares, but she's my sounding board. So, you, you know, I talk about it all the time. So you got to be obsessed about it. So it's all like always constantly talk about it. And and what was when I was buying, it was the same. I want to do this. I want to do that. I mean, a, a funny story. Uh, today I was, I'm in church on a Sunday morning and my I get a text uh, from uh my buyer's agent in, in Melbourne, it's, it's Melbourne Cup Day and, and an agent organised the uh, Melbourne Cup weekend and an agent organised an auction on that Sunday. Nobody turned up and she said to me, you know the property that we sold for such a such price, they're desperate. It just The auction just happened and nobody turned up. Um, so do you want it? And, and I'm texting, you know, under, under, you know, hiding my phone in church because I wanted to stitch up the deal. So, you know, um, that kind of obsession. So... Um, whenever the opportunity is, just jump at it. Basically, nothing's given to you that are in this world. I mean, that's that's what I found, and it's only through hard work. There is no silver bullet. Uh, I haven't seen anybody that just uh, it, you know. And I'm speaking to a lot of uh, investors, uh, and, and even the most successful ones, uh, unless you're unrelentless and you work hard, it doesn't happen for you. There is no magic bullet for for everyone. And if there is, and anybody's promising you that then I'd say run away because that doesn't exist. There are many things we wish we could go back and tell our younger selves. We find out what Dimitropoulos would say to his past self. Ten years ago, I bought that off-the-plan property. That was 2010. Um, I would have said don't buy that. Um, Buy two or three between 2010 and 2012. I was supposed to waste those two golden years. 
Um, but you know, in general, I would have said just just go harder, uh, be more ambitious. Uh, it doesn't, long term, you'll be fine. You might get the lows um, at the end of the cycle, but forget about that. Um, just keep keep buying as soon as you can and buy um, as many as you can, and then you'll be right in the long term. Um, that's what I would have said. I've wasted, I think, a couple of years. Um, I sort of bought more then. We find out about what Dimitropolis is looking forward to achieving in the near future. To be honest, I, I'm about to... I'm about to relive this whole thing with my kids. So I've uh, one of those dads that's, uh, you know, I said before, it's all about family. So my kids, uh, I've been brainwashing them slowly and steadily over the uh, 20 years. Uh, they both have the little deposits. They both have uh, two jobs. Um, I've got a girl and a, and a boy. Uh, my girl's 19 and my son's about 10, 17. Uh, they both have uh, money on the side. Stars, they really want the money and they already have, uh, they already know um, that you know, in about two to three years, uh, they'll be buying the first property, um, and now start the journey again. But uh, that, that's one aspect. The other aspect, of course, is my business. Uh, I'm absolutely proud of, about building it up from scratch and um, and all of that, and just just looking after my properties through it, but also looking after other other people's uh, properties, just just the same. So yeah, the next five years will probably be build up my business and also help my kids uh, start on the right foot as well. Last question I have for you and um, this is to really wrap up the whole episode is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is because of luck? There's no such a thing as luck um, and I think it's, it's to do with what I was saying before. I think um, I was lucky enough for a few things to click in the in the old days and to jump at the opportunities that I had and to be relentless about it for a period of 15 years. Um, I think that's what it was. It, it isn't anything, you know, to do with intelligence, super intelligence or some silver bullet that I've got. Uh, stick to the fundamentals um, and be patient and I think good things will come. Thank you to Chris Dimitropoulos, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear his full story, simply visit propertyinveststory.com.